somebody who's going to share tonight, and uh, we got a special guest, Ryan and Corina uh, Slaybach. And Ryan and Karina are down in Costa Rica, pastoring at Calvary Chapel there. So if you guys would come up, and uh, I don't know if Ryan, you want to come up, and, and then we'll meet the family eventually after he shares, or if you want him to come up now. But um, he's going to come up and share about uh, Costa Rica and the ministry that is there. There is some, uh, as uh, Ryan, um, Ethan is his brother. So many of you recognize Ethan and uh, Kelly. And Kelly's dad is helping out at the ministry in Calvary Chapel Berthoud, very much involved there with Pastor Jim. So there's kind of a, all of this connection. And that's how we uh, met Ryan. I talked to him last time I saw him was on Skype when he was in Costa Rica. And uh, they have a little Emery that is seven months old. And uh, when I talked to you guys, you had just found out that you were pregnant with her. So it's been uh, a year. It's been a bit. Yeah, it's been a little bit of time. Yes. But it's so good to finally meet you and have you here sharing you with so us. So God bless you. Appreciate I'm going to hand it over to you. All right. So let's welcome Ryan. It is a real pleasure to be here with you guys tonight. Um, it's my first time in Greeley, so bucket list. We're checking things off. <laughs> And um, you guys know. <laughs> um, I think what I'd like to do tonight, I'll tell you, I'm a bit out of my element just standing and, and talking about what we do. I'm much more comfortable with the Bible open in front of me, looking at God's Word. And I know that you would probably enjoy me much more in that capacity as well. Um, but tonight, I just want to share a little bit about what we're, what we're involved in in Costa Rica. And I'll, I'll lay it out. I'll, I'll talk a little bit about my family. Karina, could you stand up? This is my lovely wife, Karina, and my beautiful daughter, Emery. They, uh, they have all the good looks of the family, and we're happy to have it that way. Um, we are just tomorrow, we head back to Costa Rica. We've been in the States now for three weeks, and it's been... Uh, three states, California, Colorado, and Texas. It's been a bit of a whirlwind trip, and we're um, getting the point of, uh, I don't know, exhaustion, just ready to go back, you know, ready to, ready to not be living out of a suitcase and um, ready to be somewhere with our feet on the ground and get back to the people that we love and God has us ministering to. We've been in Costa Rica now for a bit. I've been there nearly five years, and, um, and uh, we went back. Uh, we went to Costa Rica originally to work with a Bible college, and um, then out of a Bible study at that Bible college, a church plant has grown and has taken root. And now we're involved full time in pastoring the church. So what I'd like to do is just this. Um, I have a short video because uh, a picture is worth a thousand words and a video is worth a lot more. So you guys can watch that a little bit. And then I'll just spend some time talking about the ministry there and what God's doing and how you can keep us in prayer. I feel a little bit like when Paul came back from his first missionary journey, it says he returned to the church there in Antioch where he had been serving before. And he shared with them the great things that God had done, which was an incredible thing because the church had entrusted him to the grace of God. And when he returned, they noted this, that God's grace had been sufficient. And it wasn't about Paul being awesome or Barnabas being incredible. It was about normal men serving a great God. And I think that's the adjective I would use to describe Karina and I, just abundantly normal. And, uh, and so I hope that tonight, you'll see in the video, I'm no videographer, if uh, if uh, you get motion sickness, you know, this is recorded on a, on a phone, so you may get a little bit of that, but um, we can go ahead and roll that video, and then I'll talk about the ministry. Hey, Calvary Chapel Greeley, Ryan here. 
Granted that most of you haven't had the opportunity to visit us in Costa Rica, we wanted to give you a tour of our church and some pictures from recent events to familiarize you guys with the ministry we have in San Isidro, Costa Rica. Enjoy! Just off the Pan American Highway in Hotel San Isidro, we rent a meeting room for the church. Come join us for a little bit of our worship service. We're a mix of young and old, married and single, from all different walks of life and even different countries, but we're here with the same heart. Our vision as a church is to seek the lost, to disciple the found, and to send the equipped. After praise and worship is the message, and while I'm teaching upstairs, out of the sanctuary and down the stairs to the left is the nursery and the Sunday school. We currently have five ladies and myself working in the nursery and in the children's church. Um, on average, we have about seven little ones under the age of four, and then we have 12 elementary school children. We're using an online curriculum teaching through the Bible using lessons that are age appropriate for the nursery and elementary age classrooms. Out the door and to the right is Sunday school. It's on each of our hearts that each of their lives would be changed by his word and that they would grow up to be men and women of God. Homesick, ready to ready to go back. Um, as I said initially, um, if you give me a minute just to get my uh, emotions under control, I'm kind of ready to go back. As I said initially, we started out uh, working with a Bible college. I taught for two years at Calvary Chapel Bible College in Southern California. And uh, they wanted to do, uh, wanted to have an extension campus in Costa Rica, so I was sent there to start that, and, um, and I did, and um, 
there was no English-speaking church for the students to be involved in, and so uh, we started doing Sunday night chapels for them just as a church service for them. They started inviting Costa Ricans, and so we went bilingual with the services, and as the years went on, a church was born out of that. And so it wasn't that we went to Costa Rica with this vision of planting a church and you know, being church planters. The thought of being a pastor actually kind of scared me, but that's where I find myself today, and because that's just what God had in mind. And so, as we've been seeking the Lord for what He would have there, um, He's put this vision on our hearts, first uh, to seek the lost, and then to disciple those who are found, and then to send those who are equipped. And so, I'm going to touch on each of those things as I talk about the ministry there, and then we'll hand it over to Jeff to get into the Word. Um, first, in seeking the lost, it just speaks of intentional, uh, intentional evangelism. And... Um, it's just living out loud. You know, missions teams come down every once in a while, and that enables us to do some, some outreaches that we wouldn't be able to do otherwise. You saw a skate outreach that we were able to put on. There's kids clubs done in the neighborhoods. There is uh, outreach and projects done to neighborhood orphanages in convalescent homes. And all of that is fine and well and good, and it's fantastic. But in Latino culture, so often it is the relational one-to-one where, you know, the gospel meets real life. An event is sweet, but Monday morning happens for everyone. You know, Sunday doesn't last all week. Monday morning comes. And that's where uh, the real life is lived out. And so uh, in, in going to the grocery store and paying the bills and bumping into people, people asking, why is a white guy still here after five years? What in the world are you doing? Uh, well, that's, that's, how it's, uh, that's how it's grown and that's how it's developed. And, and if we're honest, that's much the way God calls us to reach out in our communities as well. It's not just about, hey, you could come to church and hear some other person talk about the Lord. No, 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 no. What's God doing in you? That personal testimony, that's what lights the fire. And the, the young man that you saw being baptized, his name is Jesus. And Jesus was a drunk. And uh, he was verbally and sometimes physically abusive in his own home. And we have a, Wednesday, or a Tuesday night men's Bible study. And he showed up to Bible study when he'd been coming. He, he'd come like three times so far. And uh, we live in a, a valley in the mountains. And I don't know what happened this night. It's the only time it's happened the entire time we've been there. But it was like what I call a, a mountain hurricane that came through. Rain was coming down in sheets. There were high winds taking, um, taking roofs off of houses. I'm thinking, I should cancel men's study. And then I'm thinking, well, that's unnecessary. No one's coming in this. That's ridiculous. And so Jerry and I, my, my uh, right-hand man, were there just sitting there wondering what's going to happen. There's a slight lull in the storm. Jesus shows up on a bike, completely dry clothing. I have no idea to this day how he made it there in dry clothing. But he made it there, and he's the only guy that shows up. And uh, am I standing somewhere wrong? I feel like I've got a pretty bad hum. Sorry. Um, but Jesus is the only one that shows up. And, uh, and we were, I forget, even forget what book we were going through at that time, but I just felt like, you know, God, you have something special here. Jesus isn't a believer. And this portion of Scripture we're going to be going over, it really speaks more to the believer than to the unbeliever. You must have something. I just started thinking, maybe God caused a storm to keep everybody away from a Bible study. Odd thought, but maybe. And just have Jesus there. So we just went through Psalm 1. And as he saw the, the fruit of abiding in the Lord and the death that comes from not. I said, Jesus, do you know what the gospel is? He says, no. So I explained the gospel. And he says, that psalm speaks to me. I feel dry. I'm all dried up. I want, sorry, I want life. 
And so we prayed with them. That was 11 months ago. In the months since, his girlfriend has come to the Lord. They've been married to honor God where they once were living together, and today they're serving in the church, setting up and tearing down. Look what happens when, when God's word touches people's hearts. And that's what we're all about with seeking the lost, right? So that's, that's the first thing we're about, just seeking the lost. But then, once the lost become found, you realize the work isn't done. What you have is a brand new wriggling little baby in the Lord. And just like babies today, they need tending and lots of it. And so it's not only seeking the lost, but our heart is to disciple the found. And in that discipleship, of course, we have uh, Sunday uh, services. We're renting a room in a hotel, as you saw. And um, every, every Sunday morning, 10 o'clock, we're there. And right now we are going through, well, what are we going through? We just finished Nehemiah. And we're, uh, we're heading into who knows what next. But we just finished Nehemiah. And it was a great study going through that. And then midweek services, we have a men's study, a women's study, and a youth study. And all of those things sound very normal and very churchy and like every, every church should have that printed somewhere in their bulletin that that's what they're doing. Just if, if for nothing else, then they keep the pastor busy. But those things are key and integral because as many of you know from your growth in the Lord, growth doesn't just happen on its own. There's watering that's done. There's drinking in from his word. And in Costa Rica, it's tremendously religious. It's 74% Catholic. It's 14% evangelical. And then 10% cults and sects and, and uh, non-religious. And so cults, sects, and non-religious is, is a category nearly as large as evangelicals. And then in evangelicalism... Word of faith movement and, you know, name it and claim it and prosperity gospel and all the rest is running riot. Emotionalism. And so what you have then, even within those who are saved, is burnout from emotionalism, riding high to low to high to low, and you just get burned out on the whole experience. You're frustrated by what you've experienced in Catholicism. Um, you've chased down these other things and found them to be empty. And then sometimes um, pastoral abuse uh, either, you know, you know, bilking the people for money or um, just ruling heavy-handed. There's burnout and fallout that comes from that, too. Many of the churches that are in San Isidro are caused by church splits. And so, in an environment like that, where there is great religiosity, but very little relationship and very little understanding of God's Word, how important is it to just open up God's Word and walk through it? So that's what we're doing Sunday morning and Tuesday evening. I, I thought it was kind of cool. You guys are going through, you men are going through Romans on Tuesday evenings. You know what? Men study? Us too. Tuesday evenings, going through Romans. I don't know what chapter you guys are in, but we're making our trek through it together, and it's rich and it's great. And in that, in this discipling the found, um, there is a, a gentleman who's been coming um, to, to the church. His name is Ronald. And to give you a little bit of Ronald's background, he's been through about three or four churches. And he came to the Lord and was a part of a church, he said, where the pastor uh, ruled kind of with a heavy hand, but that's common in Latin America. He didn't think much of it. He kind of exacted a lot from the people, and Ronald gave himself uh, to, this, to this guy in his ministry. And, um, and then after a while, as, as the church is going on, everyone shows up for church one Sunday morning, and Ronald gets a call. And it's the pastor, and he says... It's over. I'm done. 
there's no more church, tell everyone to find a new one. Hey, can you imagine how disorienting that would be for a young believer and for any church? And so off he goes to find another church, and he kind of goes from church to church, finally finds one that he becomes a part of. The youth pastor of that church uh, kind of leads uh, more or less a church split, and, and Ronald goes with the youth leader to, to plant this new church. His, his, his you know, signature is on the signing documents of this new church. We're going to start something new, and we're going to start from ground zero. We're going to scrub the stuff that we've had before. We're going to start from ground zero, and we're going to do it right. And the church grows and grows, and soon the pastor becomes a little too handy with church finances and begins telling the, the people in his church, the person who doesn't give here isn't worth anything here, and we're going to begin tracking who gives what here. And so we know who matters and who takes this church seriously. And at this point, Ronald says, I have to leave the church. And so he leaves. Now, can you imagine the bitterness in a person's heart towards church leadership, the deep distrust, being disenchanted with, with the church experience as a whole? Look, an event isn't going to do it for him. A pamphlet isn't going to do it for him. He has to see and experience the difference, and, and, and God has to heal him. And without someone there to help disciple this one who is found but maybe a little confused, well, then he's just, he's just stumbling along. And recently in men's study, this happened about nine months ago or so, I don't remember even what book we were going through, but Ronald, it's, it's kind of an open format with men's study and women's study too. We want dialogue with them so that we can speak into their lives and they feel like they can express themselves and what God's doing in them as well. And Ronald expresses this to the other guys. He says, men, this is what we need. This, and he, he like picks up this a notebook, but he picks up his Bible and he shakes it for emphasis. He says, this is what we need. He says, I, I, I don't know how else to explain it. And he gives some of his testimony, some of the same testimony that I gave you. And he says, I was kind of bitter. He says, I don't know what it is. And it's not the style here at Calvary Chapel. Or the church is called Calvary Chapel Palavra Viva, which means living word. We want God's word to live to everyone. Because it is, it's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And Ronald says, since starting to come here to Palavra Viva, it's not the style, and it's not Ryan, it's not anything except this, it's God's word, and it's healing me. God's word is healing me. And to me, that is just as great a miracle as Jesus being changed from a drunk to a servant in church. I mean, that's amazing. And I know that many of you have had similar experiences, maybe not as drastic, and how many can raise your hand and say, God's word is healing me too? Amen? Both hands and a leg for me. It's happening, <laughs> you know? And lastly, I'll finish up. Lastly, we have a heart to send the equipped. Not just seek the lost, not just disciple the found and then grow all inward, but to lift our eyes, sorry, to lift our eyes and realize it ain't just us, and there are many who need Jesus still. Amen? And so there is, we have a Bible college there. And it's, a, it's an English-speaking Bible college where students from Calvary Chapel Bible College in Murrieta can come down and study with us for a semester. And they get hands-on um, experience in missions. Uh, they serve at orphanages and, a, and an area convalescent home. They do outreach to an indigenous people group, and they still receive their Bible classes there. There's not like a campus where they're holed away from society. No, they have an apartment in the neighborhood. They're responsible for going to the grocery store and figuring out how to read what this stuff is and take it home and cook it, you know? And so it's an experience that they get. It's very hands-on, but they're growing in the Lord. 
And in some senses, we get to send them, they're sent to us for Bible college, but we get to send them back to the States as almost little missionaries there. And then we have a long-term goal to plant a Bible college, a Spanish-speaking Bible college there in San Isidro. We want men and women to be trained, to be servants. We want to train future leaders for our church and other churches. Uh, We want to have open Bible classes. It's big on my heart. If there's any pastor who wants to take Bible classes, come for free. I want to see that. Now, that is a long-term vision, and I'm asking you to keep that in prayer. Because at this point, we have seven people working with us full-time. There's seven people. And that is an undertaking for more than just seven, especially with maintaining everything else. So when you think of us, keep that in mind, seeking the lost, discipling the found, and sending the equipped. I think as prayer requests specifically, I would ask this. First, uh, we're coming up this next year, we're kind of pressing out on the walls of the room where we're meeting in the hotel. And it's time to start looking maybe for a long-term rental or property. Would you, key, would you please keep us in prayer on that? You know, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's got all the wealth everywhere, and he can supply it. Pray that he will. And we're praying the same thing. Pray for the Spanish-speaking Bible college, that God would help us to, to found that. We're a young church. We're about two and a half years old. And, um, and we didn't bring a leadership team with us. We need to train and equip leaders for the church itself. Now, that can be both an exciting and a terrifying thing. You're training this person, and then then you hand authority to them, and Lord, help them. (laughs) Right? And Lord, help us. And so keep us in prayer that, that God would show us who he has called to lead his people, and that he would gift us and, and, and guide us in equipping them for that ministry. Would you pray for us in that? Also, now this is just very basic, and I think if I could just, maybe at, at the end of this, we can just even pray for this, divine protection and blessing on the fellowship that's there. Because, like Paul says, hey, pray for us. Pray that God, would be, that God would deliver us from unreasonable and wicked men, because not all have faith. Would you pray that for us, that God would deliver us, that those who Satan sends to infiltrate, to divide, that God would weed them out, that those who would attack from outside, that we'd be protected from them, and that God would bless his work, and that it would grow. And... Um, and then just pray for growth, maturity for each believer there, and, and growth for us as well, because thir- I turned 31 this year, and, um, and Karina is 30, and, and we're young, and, uh, and with youth comes inexperience, and with inexperience comes some mistakes that are made, and that's just the way it is. I remember listening to this guy, and, and, uh, and he was talking to an older fella, and he tells this older guy, I mean, how did you, I, I want to make good choices. I don't want to make mistakes. I want to make good choices. How do, I, how do I make good choices? And the old man looks at him and he says, experience. And the young guy says, well, how do I get experience? And he says, you make a couple of bad choices. <laughs> and so I feel like that's kind of where we are. So grace, pray for grace for me and for Karina. Pray for protection for us. Just lift the ministry up in prayer. If you, if you want to get a hold of us, some, I wish I had cards to give out, but if you want to get a hold of us, you can write me at my, my name, Ryan Slabaugh, the last name S-L-A-B-A-C-H, S-L-A, and then like the composer, Bach. See, now you won't forget it, because it's weird, right? <laughs> Slaybach, Ryan Slaybach at gmail.com. You can write me, let, let us know you're praying for us. We're, we're very glad to have you with us and, and, uh, and behind us. And thanks for listening to what God's doing elsewhere, and I hope it's an encouragement and a strength to you here where you are. Amen.
We're going to pray for this very special family. Thanks for coming, Ryan, and Absolutely. sharing. It's Absolutely. good to meet you. Um, so free Bible college for pastors, huh? I want in, that. In Costa Rica. I would love that. Mm. Yes. <laughs> come on over. Pastor John, if you'll come up. You know, the things you were saying to pray for and about are, are some of the things that we want to pray for as well as God continues to grow us and, um, and just uh, raising up leadership and, and people to minister. Uh, one of the things is the Lord has really laid on my heart, especially over the last uh, few months, is um, what's going on. And I wanted Ryan to share because I don't know about you, but it encourages me to see God working um, not just here in Greeley, but all around the world, as we uh, had in August the report of uh, some of you that have gone out in short-term missions, uh, having Jamie go out to the Philippines, the Calvary kids out there, and, um, and then Barbara out in Malta at the Bible College there. And then um, I am so grateful to, to have those relationships now. Um, when I was gone a couple of weeks ago uh, and I was out at Glenwood Springs, I met the pastor of in Czech Republic, uh, the Calvary Chapel there, and he was sharing just like you were. And I was so touched how difficult. I think that in Czech Republic, he said that 1% of the population is Christian there. And uh, most of the people are atheists or agnostic. And, um, and just the work that they're doing, how hard it is. And Ryan, I know that there are times you guys probably feel alone mm -hmm. out yes. there. Mm -hmm. And I want you to know that we're going to be praying for you. Thank you so much. And that we're here to, to bless you and uh, to grow in that relationship with you guys. Thank you. And, um, and so I'm glad you're here to see us and you see them. And what we'll do is we'll put up a slide with his information on. Uh, over the next couple of weeks so you can remember to pray for them and uh, support in any way that the Lord leads you. So thank you for coming and Absolutely. sharing. Absolutely. And a beautiful family here doing the work of the Lord. So why don't you guys stand with me? And let's lift them up to the Lord. As Father, we thank you for Ryan, for Karina, and this, this beautiful daughter. There's Emery. And Lord, we just lift them up to you as they're going to be heading back to Costa Rica tomorrow. I thank you for their chance to be with family, to be here, and to get a little bit of rest, but they're ready to go back. And Lord, as they do, I just pray that you would help them with uh, being able to continue in their ministry. And as I hear his vision, his desire, um, it's much like what you're having us to do, to grow people in the Word of God, to have the Word of God heal people, and to, to grow in the knowledge and love of Jesus Christ. So I pray that their love for the people that they're ministering to would abound more and more in all knowledge and discernment. And Lord, do you give them wisdom in uh, the things and decisions that, that are before them, that you would lead them and guide them in everything, that you would be their counselor in saying, this is the way, walk in it. Mm -hmm. Go to the right or go to the left. And Lord, I just pray for... Uh, their ministry, that leadership would be raised up, and the things that you've put on their hearts, that um, as the days unfold and the weeks, uh, that they would see you showing yourself strong on their behalf and providing and working and blessing. I pray that you keep them healthy and that you keep them safe, but also, Lord, from the enemy, 
there is what we know, the, uh, evil men and imposters growing worse and worse in these days that desire to come against the work of God. And as they proclaim the gospel, as they are teaching the word of God, we know that just even as we talked about in our Ephesian studies, that there is a battle that's out there. And I pray that you would just strengthen them for the battle ahead, that you would guide them, that they would put on the whole armor of God, and that you would bless them in everything. So we thank you for them. We thank you for sharing and blessing our hearts here. Take them back safely. Use them mightily. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. 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 That's right. Thank you. Okay. Thank God bless you guys. All right. Schoolers, middle schoolers. Look at all these kids, isn't it great? All right, we're going to be in the book of Psalms for a few minutes. We're going to start at Psalm 81, if you'll turn there. Psalm 81. You know, I, I am blessed and seeing what the Lord is, is doing and... Um, you know, my heart gets renewed and stirred whenever I hear a testimony of God's work, uh, whether it's Costa Rica or in the Philippines with Jamie, uh, Czech Republic, uh, uh, meeting new friends, uh, new pastors that are ministering. And um, it's important for us to just keep growing in those relationships. We are in very interesting days and very perilous times uh, where we know that the Lord is coming back. And we want to encourage those that are doing the work of the ministry, not only here in our Jerusalem, but for those in um, Judea. It was a blessing for me to be, as I mentioned on Sunday, at the Refresh Conference and just see some of the guys that are ministering here in Colorado that you get to hear on Grace FM. And Jerry, sorry, if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. Jerry's got some back there that he'll give to you. We're going to go over Psalm 81 and 82 here tonight in just a minute. But to renew those relationships and just pray with those guys and be with them and, um, and be encouraged, and um, that was a tremendous blessing. And then as uh, we have ministry in Samaria and to the ends of the earth, uh, just continue to pray uh, that, that, Lord, we can bless um, those that are out like Ryan and others and uh, just be ones that are certainly supporting them through prayer and any other means that we can because... Uh, you know, we need each other, right? Amen? And we need to encourage each other. Speaking of prayer, I would ask that you would pray for my daughter, Barbara. She's been very sick over the last couple of weeks in Malta. So if you'll pray for her, we don't know what's wrong. She went to a doctor, um, but very weak, low blood pressure. Um, she doesn't have a flu. She doesn't have uh, strep. She doesn't have mono. Or any, They don't know what she has. And so her and some of the Students there at Malta, she's at the extension campus. If you're wondering uh, why she's in Malta, she is just as Costa Rica, when Ryan went out, started the um, Bible college there uh, for students at Marietta to be able to go. And that's where Jamie was out at the Philippines at the Bible college and, and then out at the, the mission field in Calvary Kids. And then Barbara's out in Malta, that little island in the Mediterranean Sea, she went and saw a doctor, and they're just hoping that she gets better and stronger. She's got low blood pressure, 
And uh, so we're just praying for her. She's been uh, very sick. She can't even make it to class right now. Um, so if you'll just pray for her, um, sure would appreciate that. And uh, continue to pray for Jamie. Um, you know, as those of us who are doing the work of the Lord, all of us, as you're desiring to grow in the Lord and to be blessed and, and continue uh, to seek the Lord, you know, the attacks are going to come. And um, we need to be praying for one another. We're going to talk about that on Sunday morning as we continue in the book of Philippians. We just started verses 1 through 6. It was so such a, a wonderful Bible study. And Paul, he's going to talk about his state in being in chains and uh, for the furtherance of the gospel. And, and that's the thing in the days in which we're living in, that as we desire to grow in God's word and to be used of him, there is going to be a battle that is out there, and there's going to be those difficult times, and we need to pray for each other, and uh, may we do that. And that's what Paul uh, would you know, say, that I long for you all, and, and I pray for you all, and I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. So he had a very special heart for them, and uh, may we have a heart for one another. So that's what we're going to talk about on Sunday morning as we continue in chapter 1 of the book of Philippians. There's some other things that are taking place. Be sure to take a look at it. Um, there is men's prayer on Saturday morning, and then there is um, the middle schoolers that are going on uh, to the corn maze, I believe, at 1 o'clock. I don't have a bulletin with me. I think it's 1 o'clock that um, they're going to be giving rides to the kids down to the corn maze and coming back at 4 o'clock. So parents, they're reminding the kids up there for that. And um, one of the things to pray for, speaking of needs, is, you know, it's time for us, because the youth is growing, it's, t it's really time for us as a church to get a van, to get a church van. So just be praying that God provides for that. And uh, like anything else here at Calvary Chapel, where God guides, he provides. And we're just waiting on the Lord, and hopefully we can do that. And it, it helps in, in taking kids or other um, things. If we take the staff down to a conference or something, that would be a tremendous blessing rather than having four or five cars that have to, you know, go and, and, and carpool and things like that. So keep that all in prayer. So there's other things there in your bulletin. Take a look at it. But, Father, we do want to just study your word right now. I do pray for Barbara that you would just bless her and bring healing to her. And, and, um, and Lord, we just uh, desire for her to get stronger. And uh, you know what's wrong. And maybe the doctors don't have an answer, but... Lord, we just lift her up to you for your touch and show yourself strong on her behalf. And Lord, continue to just minister to Jamie and bless her. And Lord, I just lift her up as, um, Lord, she desires to just wait on you and look to you um, for what you're doing in her life as well. And Lord, um, as I think of, of Miles, um, uh, the Rodriguez family, um, seeing their little one-year-old boy that's in Children's Hospital right now, um, I just pray for Natalie and Raymond that you would bring comfort to them and bless them and that you would touch Miles and, and bring healing to him as well. And I know that there are others that are sick. I, I know um, Kendra has asked for, uh, for healing. As she, her health is getting worse. And even as it gets worse, she continues to be with the kids and ministering to them because she loves those kids. And I pray for an extra blessing for her and your strength uh, given to her and Lord healing uh, so she can do what you've called her to do and Lord we know that your grace is sufficient 
But Lord, whatever our need is tonight, because I'm sure that there are those out here that need to touch physically or perhaps emotionally, spiritually, that you would just uh, do that right now, that we wouldn't be encouraged for these next few moments in your word. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Psalm 81 is to the chief musician on an instrument of Gath, a psalm of Asaph. And what we read here in Psalm 81 is the psalmist calls for the people to gather and worship, but then it goes to a special message that we're going to see that God's going to give to his people. And as we read this, we're going to see that this is a psalm that is given when the people are gathering for a feast. You read in verse 3, uh, our solemn feast day. Now, you know that in the Old Testament, there were three major feasts that would take place during the year that the Jews were to gather. And as they would, it would be, first of all, in the spring, Passover, and then after that, Pentecost. And then in the fall of the year would be the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, we know that in the gospel narratives, Jesus, that he would go up to Jerusalem for those feasts. And, and sometimes, as you read there, for example, in John chapter 2, and then also in his last week of his ministry, that was the Feast of Passover. Jesus, in John chapter 12, he came into Jerusalem, the triumphal tree and he overturned the money changers tables drove out those who sold uh, the sacrifices that was the week of passover and of course jesus would fulfill passover as he was our passover lamb that died for the sins of the world but then after that 40 days after that there is pentecost in the early summer and that was fulfilled in acts chapter 2 when the church was born and and they would celebrate that major feast but then in the fall was the feast of tabernacles now the feast of tabernacles was a feast that Jesus went to in in John chapter 7. And on the last day, the great feast, it says, and again, in the fall, about six months before Jesus went to the cross, he's there celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Feast of Tabernacles was a very joyous occasion, a very, probably the most festous and, uh, you know, joyous of all the, the feasts in Jerusalem because the people would come to Jerusalem. It was also called, if you have a King James, I believe, the Feast of Booths. And they would make these little tabernacles, these little booths, these little tents is what they would make. And they would sleep under the stars for the week. And the fathers would tell their children how the Lord provided for them as they were in the wilderness, water that came from the rock and manna, angels' food. You remember that was spoken of in Psalm 78 that fell from heaven. And so God provided for all of that. And then the week-long celebration, the priests up there on the Temple Mount where the temple was and the big courtyards that were there. and People are all there and they're, they're sleeping under the stars. The fathers are, are telling those stories how God was faithful to bring them and provide for them in the, the wilderness and into the promised land eventually. And during the morning processionals, the priests would go from the Temple Mount. And if we ever go to Israel together, we'll stand on the Mount of Olives. We'll see where the temple was. And then to the south, down below at the low point of Jerusalem, the old city of Jerusalem, there was pools called the Pool of Siloam. And the Pool of Siloam, where the blind man of John chapter 9 was sent to, you go to the Pool of Siloam, which means sent, and go and wash, and he came up seeing in John chapter 9. It was at the low point of Jerusalem, and so they would make that procession with these pots down to the pool. Matter of fact, they just excavated those pools recently in the last couple years. 
and they excavated it, and they found those pools where it was and where the people would sit on the steps. It's very fascinating to see. And the priests would go down, and they would fill these pots full of water, and then they would go and up on the Temple Mount again, and they would pour the water out on a pavement, and it symbolized that God provided water for them. Well, on the last day of the feast in John chapter 7, they would go and make their processional, and they would come back saying those, those hymnals, uh, those psalms, that is. Uh, and as they would come back, all of a sudden on the last day, the pots were empty. They didn't have any water in them. And the reason was it symbolized that they had come out of the wilderness into the promised land. No more manna from heaven. No more uh, water from the rock. And it was at that time that Jesus stood up and said, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And out of his innermost will flow torrents of living water. And this psalm is going to speak about, as it talks about that, that solemn feast day, uh, a joyous occasion, but also a message that is given that's very important for you and I, as we know that our satisfaction is found in Jesus Christ. Let's begin to look at it in verse 1. Sing aloud to God our strength. Make a joyful shout to the God of Jacob. Raise a song and strike the timbrel, a pleasant harp with the lute, and blow the trumpet at the time of the new moon, at the full moon on our solemn feast day. For this is the statue for Israel and the law of God of Jacob. This he established in Joseph as a testimony when he went throughout the land of Egypt where I heard a language I did not understand. So praising God's name, here, and again, this is probably speaking, written during the time of the Feast of Tabernacle. You know what's interesting about the Feast of Tabernacles, that when Jesus Christ comes back and establishes his kingdom, it tells us in Zechariah chapter 14 that the nations of the world are going to come up to Jerusalem. There's going to be that millennium temple that's going to be a huge, magnificent structure that is going to be built during a millennium reign, and we're going to come up, the nations, and celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. So it's going to be a wonderful time in the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ, coming up yearly for that feast. And so here they are, they're praising God, they're, they're making a joyful shout unto the Lord, but then here comes the message of God to them, verse 6, I removed his shoulder from the burden. His hands were freed from the baskets. You called in trouble, and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you in the waters of Meribah. So here, the Lord is saying, here's the message that, remember that I freed you from the burden of Egypt. They are commemorating how they were brought out of Egypt, and he had freed them. Uh, They were tested there at Meribah. You read about that in Exodus chapter 17, that there are the people in the wilderness. God had provided manna, and they were beginning to murmur and complain against the Lord. And Meribah actually means strife or contention. And they were saying to the Lord, are you with us, Lord, or or not? We're thirsty. And the Lord would provide that water for them, but he had brought them out by his mighty power. They had seen the miracles of, of the plagues that were poured out upon Egypt and then bringing them out of Egypt into the Red Sea and parted the Red Sea and provided water and provided bread for them. And he brought them out by his power. He would sustain them by his power, but they forgot that he was motivated by his love. And as the psalmist here is writing this, 
He's writing about this a wonderful time, the feast, how the Lord was faithful, how he loved us. And then he gives this message to them that we were freed from that. You called in trouble, and I delivered you. And you answered in the secret place of thunder. You see, when they came to the mountain of God, there was Mount Sinai, and the Lord said to Moses, get the people ready because I'm going to make myself known to them. And, and they are to consecrate themselves. And, and that's, they got ready, and the mountain shook, and it was on fire. And there was thunders and lightnings. Wasn't that quite a, any of you see the, the lightning storm that was out here last night? Pretty unusual for the end of October. But it, it, was, it was watching that, and I love to watch lightning storms. I think on Mount Sinai there, when the people were there, it was divine lightnings and thunders. And all of a sudden, you know, the people, they saw the awesomeness of God, and they said, Moses, this is too much for us. You go up on the mountain, and you hear from the Lord, and we'll do what, what you say that we are to do. But the, the thunder of God's voice, and it reminds me in John chapter 12, Remember that Jesus is there the last few days right before he went to the cross. He's in Jerusalem, and he's talking about how his soul was troubled. And, and he says, what shall I say, Father? Save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. And Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven saying, I both glorified it and will glorify it again. It was the voice of the Father. It was the third time that the voice of the Father had been heard during Jesus' ministry. And it's interesting. It says, therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. The word of God, when we read it, it thunders to us. But sometimes, somewhere along the way, we fail to recognize it. We fail to recognize that God is powerful enough to be able to bring his promises to pass. To realize that in the day of trouble that we can call out to him and he can bring deliverance to us. That he's motivated for his love for us. And he can thunder that in the pages here, but we tend to forget. It gets muddled up because we're so overwhelmed and our hearts are hurting. Or whatever the case may be for us. And what my prayer is is that we would not fail to see God's love and faithfulness. Even when we question his provision. And you might be here and you might be thinking, Lord, how are you going to provide for me? You know, we got bills to pay. We got, you know, things that we need. We, we need to go to the store. Lord, how are you going to provide? And we go through seasons like that. And I want you to know that the Lord desires to provide for you. And he desires to show himself strong on your behalf as you just trust in him and know what his word declares to you as it thunders to you that I will supply all of your needs, that I am with you, and that I'm going to see you through that I'm going to work in your life. So this was a message to them. And then in verse 8, Hear, O my people, and I will admonish you. O Israel, if you will listen to me, there shall be no foreign god among you, nor shall you worship any foreign god. So God told them to put away their idols, their foreign gods. Unfortunately, we know that much of their history, they were involved in worshiping false gods and those idols. And it ended up bringing them to a place where they would go off into captivity. But verse 10, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. I like that. I brought you out of Egypt. 
You know, I brought you from the burdens, the, sh- the shoulder that he talked about here in the previous verses. I removed his shoulder from the burdens, uh, the shoulders that those Hebrew slaves had of the, the taskmaster's whips on them and the scars, and they were black and blue. I delivered you from that. I removed you from that. Egypt is a symbol of the world. He's delivered us from the world and how the world beats us up. And leaves us scarred up in black and blue. And he says, I've brought you out of that. And I want to have you just have your mouth open and, and to fill it. To fill you full. Come to me and drink, Jesus said. And out of your belly will flow torrents of living water. You see, whenever we're thirsty physically... Whenever we're hungry, we go to a source of food. We go to to water, and we end up getting filled. And it is Jesus that would say, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. God desires for us to follow him and to learn of him and to know him. And he desires to fill us. And listen, I hope that we're understanding that as you're coming and you're growing in the word of God and as in your growth in the Lord, in your journey with the Lord, that we would come to understand that He is our satisfaction. Listen, the world is not going to satisfy you. It may satisfy you temporarily. There may be pleasure for a season in sin or carnality or the world's ways, but the end of His way is going to bring you in despair and hopelessness and leave you empty in your heart and in your soul. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And I pray that we are understanding, Calvary Chapel family, that our satisfaction is in the Lord and knowing him and following after him. Not our own ways, as verse 11, but my people would not heed my voice, and Israel would not have none of me. So I gave them over to their own stubborn heart to walk in their own counsels. He's not going to force his way into our lives. It reminds me of what Romans chapter 1 declares to us, that God gave them up to their vile passions, as he's talking about those who have rejected him, those who have rejected his ways and his word. And we see those all around us that are going after their own counsel, given over to their own lust and stubborn hearts. And may we always have a heart that is teachable and soft before the Lord and seek in his counsel. Woe to the rebellious children of Israel. For you seek counsel, but not of me. And you go to Egypt, to the world. And I pray that that would not be said of any of us, that we would go to him, the wonderful counselor, and learn of his ways, because his ways are truth. And that's what Jesus said. I come to give you life and life abundantly. How is it that we experience that abundant life? A life of blessing and true fulfillment and satisfaction and peace and wisdom. It is by walking in his ways and knowing him and loving him. And desiring to be counseled by the wonderful counselor, Jesus Christ. Because his ways are true. The world is going to leave you deceived. And leave you empty. 
So here's the message of the Lord to them. And, and he goes on and he says in verse 12, So I gave them over, as we read, to their own stubborn hearts, to walk in their own counsels. Then verse 13, Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord would pretend submission to him, but their fate would endure forever. He would have fed them also with the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock. I would have satisfied you. Again, where does our satisfaction come from as he desires to feed us? With the best. He wants the very best for you. He wants the very best for this church. He wants to feed us and fill us that out of our outermost will flow torrents of living water to be a blessing to others. But it's by knowing him and walking in his ways and abiding in Christ, and abiding in his word, and abiding in his love. And we know as we do that, we're going to be satisfied. So Psalm 81, and then Psalm 82, very quickly, a psalm of Asaph. And as we read this psalm, it's psalm is directed at the judges who are not representing God correctly. We read in verse 1, God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods, little g's, and that word gods is might be translated in your Bible, judges, but it has the meaning of judges that were appointed to take God's word. They had the civil law, they had the religious laws, ceremonial laws, and those judges were to judge the people concerning the civil laws, and they were to make judgments, and they made judgments concerning life and death. And so they were very important in the land. And so this psalm is going to talk about those judges, that as they stand in the congregation of the mighty, how long, verse 2, will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? And there, there's the pause. So it's a rebuke of them uh, that they were showing partiality, uh, no longer you know, judging in a just way. Defend the poor and the fatherless, verse 3. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Feed them from the hand of the wicked. They do not know, nor do they understand. Verse 5, they walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. So we see that they didn't judge righteously or with truth. They showed partiality to the wicked. They were called to show no partiality, but to do what is right. And here in verse 5, it's interesting. They, they walk about in darkness, and the foundations of the earth are unstable. Let's bring it home a little bit closer, you and I. As those judges were to give truth to those who came to them, that I pray that you and I would give truth. And sometimes that means correction. Sometimes that means giving God's word when they don't want to hear it. But we wouldn't show partiality. Oh, I don't want to do that with him. He may not like me or her. They may not appreciate me at work. And so we kind of hem and haw, and we begin to compromise. But we would give truth. Because you see, you and I represent the Lord. And as we grow in the word of God, that may we give that to others. That we would care. Whether they're widows and orphans and the poor, the oppressed, whatever state they find themselves in. Because here's the truth. If they don't have Jesus, they're poor. And they're oppressed. And they find themselves being miserable. Just read the church at Laodicea. You think you're rich and you have everything. But you're poor and, and hungry and miserable and blind and wretched. Is what Jesus said spiritually. 
their spiritual state, that we would give the truth to others. And any other foundation, verse 5, other than Jesus Christ, are going to crumble and fall. And all the world's foundations will fall. Only when Jesus Christ comes and judges all, as he says, they walk about in darkness. The foundations of the earth are unstable. You know, bad, ungodly judgment brings darkness, doesn't it? That's what was coming to the land at this time that this psalm was being written. And we know that in our own land, that there's been decisions by our own judges, the judicial system, that are in direct defiance of God's word. And it has brought darkness to our nation. Spiritually, our nation crumbling at the very foundations founded upon godly men who desire to have a nation that feared God. And we're losing that. But here is, is the psalmist writing all this and rebuking them. And he, I said, you are gods, verse 6, and all of you are children of the Most High. Just a couple notes on that. Jesus actually quoted that in John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, it's that wonderful chapter where he says, I'm the good shepherd, my sheep hear my voice. And they follow me and they know me. And he would say to the religious leaders who were really being contentious towards Jesus and, and, and all this, you know, coming against him and, and who are you and what authority do you come? And Jesus has been talking to them about that um, I am the one before Abraham was, I am in John chapter 8. And they knew that he was claiming to be divine, deity, that I come from the Father. And then in John chapter 10, he says, the Father and I are one. And as he says that, the Father and I are one, they were very much upset that Jews took up stones, it says, again, to stone him. And Jesus said, many good works I have shown you from my Father. For which of these works do you stone me? And the Jews answered him, saying, for a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. When Jesus said, the Father and I are one, he was claiming to be God. We are one in essence. We are one. And they knew that he was claiming deity at that time. So this was Jesus' answer to them. It is not written in your law, I said, that you are gods. If he called them gods, and here he's quoting from Psalm 82, verse 6 here, that if it's not written in your law, I said, you are gods. If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and his scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him who the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God? What was Jesus answering that? He is saying, listen, you guys are upset because I'm claiming to be one with the Father, and yet in your own words, Psalm 82, verse 6, you claim to be you know, God's little g, judges. You're judging between what is right and wrong, what is truth and what is false. And the scriptures, listen, cannot be broken. And what he was saying in that is that the scriptures declare me the son of God, and you don't even recognize it. You guys can't even judge rightly. And if you don't believe my words, then believe the works that testify that I am the Son of God. And what my prayer is for us is that we would be ones that we would give truth and declare him that Jesus and the Father are one and the way to heaven and the way for salvation and the way to be forgiven is through him. It's through him, Jesus Christ, the good shepherd who came to lay down his life for the sheep. So, Father, we thank you for this time in your word that 
We thank you for this night and being together. And Lord, I pray that you would just continue to, to minister to us, Lord, your word, your truth, and we would share it with others. Because, Lord, we represent you. And, Lord, may we share it with everyone that we have opportunity to, whether what status they have in the world. But we know that without Jesus Christ, that they're poor spiritually. And we want to bring the riches of Christ that are available for them, forgiveness of sin and right relationship with the Father. We want to bring that and deliver that and give that message to others. So, Father, I pray that tonight, even as we just close here tonight, that if there's anyone here, maybe in the coffee shop or in this sanctuary or listening on live stream, that you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. He went to the cross because he loves you. He is the good shepherd that laid down his life for the sheep. And he went to that cross to die for your sins because all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And Jesus says, come, believe in me, for I am the good shepherd. There's no other way to heaven. There's no other way to forgiveness of sin. Jesus died on that cross, rose again from the grave, validated what he did. The greatest work of Calvary and then the resurrection and then a great work of bringing salvation to you and I, making us a new creation in Christ. It's about relationship, just as even as Ryan talked about. It's not about religion. We're not asking you to join a church or, or give yourself to a church or a pastor, but to Jesus. If you've never done that, that you would come to him for eternal life. He says, come to me, even tonight. And you pray right where you are that Jesus, I come to you a sinner and I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on that cross for me personally, specifically. Forgive me. I believe you rose again from the grave. And you're alive, knocking on the door of my heart. And I open my heart and my life to you. Be my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying for me. And thank you for forgiving me and making me a new person and giving me a new beginning. In Jesus' name. And if you prayed that prayer tonight, I want you, when we close, to come up and pray with me. I want to bless you and pray with you and encourage you. But for all of us, as we leave this place, to realize that we have the riches of Christ that are ours. Continue the work. Lord, may we be a light in a dark world. May we be given a message of stability and strength in a time when people's lives are crumbling and the world around us is failing. And Lord, may we give truth in a time of great deception that's out there. So Lord, we thank you for tonight. Bless everyone here. Take them home safely. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Okay, please stand.